0: What's up, rockers? Welcome to another episode of the Talk Louder Podcast, where we geek out on all things rock and roll. Hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Leave us your likes and comments. You can also leave likes and comments on our Facebook page. Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, Instagram at Talk Louder underscore podcast. And of course, our website, talklouderpodcast.com, where you'll find links to our merch and all of our previous episodes. I'm Metal Dave Glessner, along with my co host, Jason McMaster. And uh, man, today's guest is living proof that uh, sometimes your rock and roll dreams can come true even 35 years after you've I've, long given up hope. I can't wait to say this. I, I can't wait to
1: say this. Even if you break up the band, yeah. <laughs> like, screw you guys. I'm going home. I'm going to have a family and, and get a real job and all this stuff. I'm burning all my gear and, but yeah years 30 years later the phone rings and your dreams come true yes you, i mean because when you were a kid you always dreamed about uh playing overseas and going on tour and and you know <clears throat> it's it's crazy how
0: the story we're about to hear about uh today. it really is it, it it's <laughs> it's 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 sort of like the r- classic cinderella story rocky underdog sort of story and the funny thing is that most people go through what this band has gone through. Cause very few bands achieve, you know, the staying power of a Van Halen or whatever. Most bands give it up after three or four or five, 10 years, maybe on the local scene and adult life gets in the way. And like you said, they sell their gear, they burn their gear or whatever. And it's over. The dream is done. Um, in this case, The dream was over, I guess, but uh, lo and behold, a cult following over in Europe demanded that this band get back together and come play a massive festival in Germany. Uh, We'll get into all that. Our guest today is drummer Ed Aborn from the band Siren. And Siren, for those who don't know, uh, was a metal band out of Florida during the mid-80s uh, they were from the same scene that gave us obituary, nasty savage, morbid angel, um, and siren. I think had some local success in the region, in the general area, and maybe had some fans overseas in small pockets. But obviously, never had the staying power of some of the other bands from their scene. It's obvious
1: to me when I listen to like some of the older stuff. It's you know they they sound like a high school heavy metal band that that you know, has aspirations and dreams of, of making records and going on the road. And just, you, you don't know what you're getting yourself into when you're at that age. So I would <laughs> imagine that maybe you do. I don't think that there's any way possible you, you know exactly what you're what you're trying to actually do with it until somebody wants to give you, you know, 10 bucks and a couple of shows and put out your record for you. So the, the the thing about this band, I love the story. I can't wait to talk to them, but the deal is this, uh they're making new music. Siren is making new music. Yeah. I really believe that it was all kind of started with the story like we sort of in Jess said, like, you know, uh, screw you guys, break up the band, and then hello. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we have fans
1: they want you to do it again and that inspired because now there's a film there's a film out called I'm getting too old for this shit yes and it's uh directed
0: by uh produced by uh you tell him Dave Chris Jericho All right uh Chris produced it i think it was directed by a guy named nathan mowry okay thank you and uh jericho got behind this film and and we're going to talk today to ed i want to know if jericho was aware of the band uh before he decided to make the movie or if he just got wind of the fact that this band was coming back from nowhere and going to play this festival and he thought that's a great movie and then got involved so we'll ask ed about that but yes, uh, Jericho put his name behind this 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 movie. Uh, it came out in 2021. As you said, it's called okay. I'm Getting Too Old for This Shit. And it basically chronicles the story that we're going to hear from Ed Aborn today on the Talk Louder podcast.
2: Also, how you doing, Ed? I'm doing great, man. Thank you guys so much for for having me on and I, I've looked and see you guys have had some amazing guests, you know, and I'm sorry that your journalistic careers have landed you here with me. So, you know, <laughs> no, well, well. It, it, get, it gets good sometimes
1: and it gets bad sometimes. That's a, <laughs> let's just, let's just hope that you're, that you're a, a, a leaf, a, a new leaf we can turn over and get into the underground a little bit absolutely man i'm yeah, man. i'm, I'm going to go wherever you guys want to go i love it and uh, and thanks for being being with us so so our i mean we can start with our story or like me and you or we can start with your story the show is about you it's not about me it's not about us it's about you okay. um, but how your name came to me and dave like the next day literally uh because i had to tell him hey i'm i'm leaving town i can't right. it's, i can't shoot yeah. the show this weekend uh and i was like man
0: this better be good
2: <laughs> very very strange <laughs> i'm sure it came i'm sure it was a good story once he explained yeah. Yeah. very
1: very different type of uh, si- situation yeah de- <laughs> got over it and like <laughs> what oh shit yeah he got over it that quick <laughs> now
2: now tell us how you know wolf hoffman sure sure yeah and um and then yeah and story-wise i think you know we can probably start where we're you know with this because uh it does lead back to you know the okay, things sure. that go on with my own band yeah sure but yeah sure. so uh so i had met wolf uh in 1997 uh, me being the computer geek that i am i was and, into i'm sorry to interrupt yeah, we're talking yeah. about wolf
1: hoffman from accept. oh yes yes yeah.
2: wolf hoffman of except you know uh-huh. legend amazing you know guitar player uh, yeah there's not enough good can be said about him um and uh, i have been an except fan since about 1980 Yeah, 1980 actually straight up and somebody had turned me on to breaker and i was just like oh this is amazing you know i love this it just really connected and so I was a huge fan. Um, the band I was in back in the day, Siren, was uh, playing covers by Maiden, Priest, and lots of Accept. Back then, in the in the early '80s, so I was just steeped steeped in it. All my, one of my all time favorite bands. So uh, I had eventually gone into uh, information technology as a career, and was doing that. And this is now we're talking about the mid '90s. The internet was just starting to come about and i got into web development very very early like when the first browser mosaic you know really came out around 93 94 i think i just really got into it and started to uh, do some freelancing i was working for a large tech company but i was also freelancing on the side doing a side hustle making some extra money when doing websites was still you know, everything was hand coded because not I had to go and explain what the web was and why it was going to be important to future clients. Like uh, more wow. sound recording here in Tampa was one of my first clients. And now because I, I was friends, yeah, I was friends with those guys, you know, for for years at that point. And I went into Jim and Tom and said, hey, this is going to be big. You're going to want to be out there. And they were one of the first studios to, to get out there with a with a web presence. So we're talking about mid 90s now. Um, internet is still kind of getting going. It's, it's not super widespread yet, but, uh, Wolf had released his, except had kind of tied a bow on it in 1996. And they were like, okay, that's it. So he put out a solo album, uh, his first solo album called classical, uh, in 90, uh, uh late 96, early 97. Well, the guy who I had bought classical from was a, um, uh, he owned a, he used to own a record store in New York, and uh, he had a a small online presence, which is how I'd found him at the time, and saw that that was coming out, ordered it from him, and we had struck up a conversation in an email, and and talking about this, he said, "Yeah, I'm friends with Gabby Hoffman because whenever Except would come into town in New York, you know, a lot of times they'd come through and do an in store, so we were friends, and I agreed to carry classical for them." so i had looked i'd already received my copy and i said i didn't notice any kind of online information in there no emails no anything i said well listen if you ever talk to her I'd tell her there's a big fan and i would love to to do a website for them just free you know for free uh so i didn't th- expect to hear any more from it and then he shot me an email one day and said hey i talked to gabby and they're gonna you know said here's their number give them a call wow which i did and i ended up flying up to, uh, it was Mount Juliet at the time outside of Nashville in 1997 on Thanksgiving day. This is actually, I was just talking to Wolf the other day. It's been 25 years since we, we first met. Wow. And needless to say, as a fan, I mean, I'm going up to meet Wolf Hoffman, you know, so I'm kind of freaking out. I fly up to Nashville and, uh, they welcome me into their home just, you know, so with a nice Thanksgiving dinner, everything, Michael Wagner's studio is there on their property. So Michael is there and I'm like, what? okay, now I'm sitting here having dinner with <laughs> Wolf Hoffman and Michael Wagner, you know, which I, we won't even get into that list of, right. of, of that's a, credits. That's
1: a, we're gonna have to do part two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's yeah.
2: crazy. So I had dinner with them, talked, and that's how we first met. And over the the next couple of years, uh, we just hit it off so well between Wolf and Gabby and uh my wife at the time and myself and became like family and i was also doing a lot of stuff with them i did the first you know accept website and other stuff and we're doing all you know all kinds of things but we just really became like family so as the years went on um you know that friendship had grown closer and uh just you know as a part of the as a part of that story speaking as a fan um in 2000, late 2008, I think it was 2000, no, 2009. That's when they, just by chance, had run across Mark Tornillo, up in um, New Jersey, because Peter Baltus, the bass player, was still living up, kind of around the Philadelphia, north of Philadelphia area, I think. Uh, up there, Wolf had gone up just to hang, and you know, and while they were there, they said, "Hey, let's." Is there a studio? You know, where we can go jam a little bit, and no plans for anything to do anything at all. But they asked the studio owner, hey, do you know anyone who can sing, who can come in? So they had called, he knew Mark, the studio owner. Mark was sick. Sounds familiar, probably right. to to yeah. uh, to you, Jason. It's like you yeah. get these calls out of nowhere, and you're sick, you know, at the yeah. time. And he was sick, but he's like, I'm not going to pass up a chance oh, to go not. jam with, except in well, this studio. He's, a, video. he's so, a
1: fucking warrior, anyway. You know, so, yeah, he's
2: he, yeah, just he's on another level as yeah. far as his voice is just inhuman. In, as far as I don't understand how strong it is. Yeah. And uh, so they went in. Magic happens. Wolf and Peter, like, oh, my God, we'd never thought of resurrecting except again, because it just wasn't going to be done after we tried, you know, back in, uh, you know, the, the late 80s, you know, with David Reese. And it's like people just didn't accept, accept without Udo. But this was so natural that they started to talk about it. And then when, um, when they started to talk about it, uh, the word kind of started getting out in the circles that wow except might actually do another album well through uh through another friend of mine rich Ward who's guitarist for Stuck mojo and Fozzy and you know other stuff uh, I had met Andy Sneep back also in the the late 90s whoa and had become friend, friends with Andy and where, you know where having me where'd you meet andy uh through rich Ward because you know if, if we have to back up another step okay i met Rich through Chris Jericho, who's the singer of now singer Fozzie, WWE right. does you know right. author actor whatever radio all the, show all that everything right. whatever yeah, it is everything street sweeper per- he's doing it and at the top of the game right yeah, Pr- exactly. Christmas commercials right <laughs> yeah impresario yep. so so I had known Chris for uh, also from around 1999 I guess I had met Chris locally uh-huh. here in Tampa yeah that's where that's where we both live and we had again hit it off because we both had a love for uh, European metal and horror movies. And, you know, so we just naturally connected and we were local. So, uh, I had met rich through, uh, through Chris, cause rich and Chris had just hooked up to start Fuzzy with, uh, Johnny Z back. Yeah. You know, they hadn't even played a gig because what it was, and tell me if I'm getting so far off the rails with these no, stories, you're okay. You're okay. <laughs> you're okay. You're, okay, they, you're an excellent name dropper and <laughs> we know the names. So you Well, just that's keep what on I'm going. saying. This is, this is metal. So it is, it's interesting. Yeah. And as a fan, I'm first and foremost, a fan. I'm just an IT nerd who happens to be a fan and as just ended up knowing people. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so I'd met Chris, met Rich through Chris, Johnny and Stuck Mojo was doing weekend shows up in Atlanta sometimes as Fozzie Osborne, which was they'd get together for fun and just jam on covers of metal songs, you know, when they weren't gigging as Stuck Mojo. Well, Chris, uh, you know, Fozzie, Rich Ward was a fan of Chris because Rich is a huge wrestling fan. So their paths crossed. Rich invited Chris to come sing at a Fozzie Osborne show if he's ever, you know, when he's in Atlanta, he was always in Atlanta. And... Uh, so they got, they became friends word got to Johnny Z up in New York, you know, legendary Johnny Zula Zula. Yeah. And, uh, founder, you know, Megadeth, I mean, Metallica, everyone, you know, just mega force records. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, uh, before they had only played like a, a a cover show like that, just one off in Atlanta, he offered them a deal said, listen, I know the band is tight. Chris is a name. I'm going to finance um, on Megaforce the first album for Fozzy and we're going to do a a mockumentary film, like a 30 minute mockumentary film about this band and uh, then release an album. And the album was, I think, like nine covers and one original song. That first album. It was just kind of a lark. Yeah. A couple of guys in the band wearing wigs, you know, it it was like Steel Panther (laughs) 20 years ago. This is 1999 now. Right. Wow. So, so knowing, being friends with Chris, I, I got to know Rich, and as I started, because I was seeing him more as they were getting together for some of the Fozzy things, and Andy Sneap had produced the the prior Stuck Mojo album, oh, uh, Declaration right. okay. of a Headhunter. Mm-hmm. So, Andy Sneap was like, hey, you know, they invited Andy to be one of the guitarists in Fozzy, which he was. So, So, I got to know Andy through that. So, now, I've been friends with those guys for several years at this point, by the time we hit 1999. And the word gets out in the kind of the metal, you know, underground there that except is considering doing another album because they've come across singer, Mark Tornillo from TT Crick, TT quick. And. So I get a call from Andy who says, Hey, Ed, I know you're really tight friends with Wolf. Is there any way you could put in a good word for me if, they're considering an outside producer other than Michael Wagner to do this album if they do this album. And I said, absolutely, man. I know, you know, I know you, I know you're incredibly talented and you're a good guy and you're you're an Accept fan as deep as I am from way back in the day. So, so I did, I was, I talked to Wolf and Gabby and I said, listen, there's a friend of mine who's an up and coming producer. He's, he's amazing. Here are some of the things he's done already. Who's also and judas priest
1: (laughs) right about to say it's like currently in judas and
2: priest (laughs) exactly as their producer and guitarist you know touring guitarist right now uh, these paths are incredible how they've how they've happened and so i said but at that time he was still kind of up and coming he had worked with some names right you know but wasn't at the status where he is now in that top rung of metal producers So, so this is what maybe 12 years ago now is that 12 years ago. Yes. Yeah, this, okay. this is 2009. Okay, good. And so I had said to, to uh, Wolf and Gabby, I said, he's up and coming. He's a great guy. You know, based in, in England, has a fantastic studio. Uh, just give him, you know, give him some a consideration. If you would just talk to him, see, see if there's any kind of vibe there. So they did, they ended up also kind of hitting it off. And in 2000, the summer of 2009, we decided to all meet together. So I flew up from Tampa to Nashville. Uh, Andy flew into Atlanta and then Rich and Andy drove up because Rich is also a huge Accept fan. Mm -hmm. Rich and Andy drive up and I can send you some pictures, great pictures from that weekend. Andy flew to Atlanta from England? Yes, he flew to Atlanta. And then oh. drove up from Atlanta he to, really Nashville. to make,
1: he really wanted to make a new accept record.
2: Oh, yeah, uh, he wow. was I mean, he was a huge, huge accept fan, a fan of Wolf, yeah. too, as a guitarist. And so we all converged in Nashville. And what we did was it was myself, Wolf, Peter Baltus, who had now moved to Nashville from New Jersey, uh, Wolf, uh, Rich and Andy. And it was interesting after meeting and kind of getting a feel for each other, like letting them get a feel for each other. What we did was we did this um, kind of uh, exercise where we literally went from the very first Accept album and listened through track by track up through Russian Roulette and identified in each song, the characteristics that we felt, okay, this is Accept, this is not Accept this is classic except this element this is not and especially as we get toward the later years when wolf was kind of leaning in some more acdc leanings with some of the riffs and some of his other things andy was you know he's a straight player he's like that's not really except when i think except that's not the type of riff i'm hearing these are the types of riffs here in this song and this song and this song you know but, but not these he said if we work together i'm going to focus you on that classic, that classic sound. So, you know, long story short, they hit it off, uh, decide to go with Andy for to produce that first album, which became Blood of the Nations. And it comes out and just, they legitimately did not know what to expect from it. They didn't, you know, it's a, there was already a lot of negativity out there on Blabbermouth and other places that says, nope, no Udo, no accept. It's just not, we're not going to accept it. No pun intended. It's just not going to work, um, regardless of what it is. So they had no expectations past that first album and, uh, they did it. They put it out and they said, all right, we're going to do one show and up at the Gramercy theater up in New York, just to, just to do it and, um, and see how it goes. Well, that was two thousand ten, and they have not stopped touring since they've got four albums out with Andy that are some of the best selling albums they've ever had and except and they are now uh you know thirteen years into this as a band, which is you know a long stretch for any you know for any band and the albums are just strong They're, the, it overcame much of that because mark can sing Udo, as, you've, as you know, because you've shared the stage with him, he can sing Udo, like Udo, and he can also bring his own thing, which is he's just got a very versatile voice. It's strong. It can have that, that, resonant, that resonance as well as the, the grit, but he can temper it however he wants. He can go virtually clean for some songs, and he can go straight up full on, you know, accept, you know. And it was uh it's it was amazing experience. I flew up for the uh for that first show because it's like I'm a fan, I gotta see this just because I've you know had a hand in this to some degree. And I flew up and it it was amazing. I ended up driving into the city from Newark with Mark Tornillo and Peter and Mark's wife, Sherry, uh to go to the Eddie Trunk show because they had, uh, Mark and Peter on as guests the night before the Gramercy show. So we drive in to New York from, from Jersey, across into New York, go up to the studio with Eddie, we're walking in and who's there in the, in the lobby, Rob Halford. And I'm like, all right, now I'm just, am I, am I living in out of body experience now? It's like, well, how is this happening to me? I was, and, uh, it was great. Cause obviously Peter and, and, uh, Rob go way back from their tours that they had done together. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it was just a fantastic experience. They did a great interview. And uh, again, just an, an awesome time. We ended up getting lost in Newark, driving back at like two oh. or three in the morning, which is not where you want to be lost at two or three in the morning. Just in case anyone's- In Newark, in anyone's- Newark. right. If in yeah. Newark, yeah. You don't in want Newark. to. In Newark. Now, yeah. And when, yeah, you just don't, just don't. No. And, uh, but yeah, the show was amazing. So that's kind of how- my i came to not only be friends with wolf but become kind of an adjunct band member to a certain degree because as as they've continued now uh i've always been involved on one level or another with some of the albums be it just listening through songs as they're being worked and giving my critiques of each to say okay yeah i love this one this one's all right you know this one's good this one what if you do this and i'm not saying i'm got any kind of master hand in there but it's so cool as a as a fan just to know that you know when i look at these things or to see my name in the liner notes as as thanks and stuff like that it's
1: you're kind of a you're kind
2: of a super liaison slash test market (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it it, it did i'm just a guy who's a a fan and a, a music fan and a metal fan wow and uh yeah i just enjoy good people and Wolf and some of these other people, Chris, Rich, all these people I've met have all been so cool that we just become friends. And I end up like with Chris, since Chris knows virtually everybody, anytime a tour comes through, you know, our area or even some other areas, I've gotten to meet all my heroes, you know, through, you know, Priest, Maiden, you know, all these, all the bands, Queensryche, all the bands that I love, Chris is friends with them. So he's like, Hey, you know, so and so's coming to town. You know, you want to, can you, can you make it? I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. will be there. So, so, wow. yeah. So, so if you want to wind around, you know, to how you and I got to, uh, to first meet, we can, we can, uh, yeah, we can let's, certainly start, go let's there.
1: start that because I know yeah. Dave, I know Dave has some questions and, and okay. you're, you're just like confirming what I feel like I, uh, I know, but I didn't know all of the details. I knew that you and Wolf were tight. Mm-hmm. Um, so so Mark gets sick and Wolf, your phone rings and it's Wolf. And what happens right. after that? This, yes. is, uh,
2: this is in early October. Right, right. So I was actually out just uh, having lunch and Wolf calls and that's not unusual. So I, I'm like, hey, man, what's up? How you doing? And he's like, oh, not so good. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and I knew that's my Wolf Hoffman. Thank you. Oh, uh, oh, so good. Good.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, and, uh, I knew they were on tour in the U S. Uh, and I'm like, Oh, I'd been following, you know, from socials and stuff and everything looked like it was good. The shows would look like they were good. So I'm like, Oh, okay. And I, I said, Oh, what's going on? And he's like, Oh, well, Mark is really sick. And, uh, you know, we don't think he's going to be able to perform the next couple, few shows at least. And we're trying to find someone who might be able to, to stand in. And I was hoping you could reach out to some of your contacts to see if, if you could find someone. And I said, I said, absolutely. I'll do, I'll do everything I can. And I said, when's your next show? And it was like the day after, this was a Tuesday, I think. Mm-hmm. And the show was on a Thursday and I'm like, Ooh, mm-hmm. okay, that's, that is <laughs> after I got off the phone with him and, and sat there for a second to kind of gather my thoughts and think, okay, who is most likely? And I'm like, okay, so I got to try to find someone who is familiar with Accept, who can sing Accept, and who can fly out in a day to go do it and 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 front a band. I'm like, that is that's not even like a normal what a normal cover, a great cover, you know, band singer can do. Cause most people can't do it. They can't, they don't have the voice to be able to be any kind of true to accept. Yeah, you can sing, you know, with a regular type voice, but I think the fans would be like, Yeah, okay, thanks for trying, but you know, not the best so i thought about it for a little bit and and the first uh, i first reached out to chris and rich because their networks are are much bigger than mine and i called chris and and said hey here's what's going on I, uh, you know do you know anybody you know, who who might be able to do this and 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 i'm sorry this is chris
1: jericho, chris jericho and, and, and rich, rich, ward.
2: rich ward ward yeah. and ward
1: who, w-a-r-d yeah okay so rich ward is with guitarist of fozzy
2: and stuck mojo okay okay i I know who you're talking about he's amazing he's a he's incredible and also one of the greatest guys he's like a a brother um and so i called i called chris who's actually he was in a meeting because i texted him first and he's always in meetings if he's not doing something you know something incredible and he said okay yeah we'll definitely reach out to rich and um you know you might also want to try i forget who he he also mentioned um uh if it was i think he mentioned possibly russell allen um, oh yeah yeah and and i said okay all right uh russell, so i read russell allen is amazing
0: <laughs> I, where, I know where, where, all where these know guys Russell from what, uh, what band
2: uh, is russell known i can't for? think of it right. symphony now. x that thank you right. and trans-siberian <laughs> orchestra that's his two biggest uh, biggest ones right right. Okay. but but russell had also done a stint uh in adrenaline mob, with which, Portnoy, with Portnoy and Rich Ward, who oh, we're talking okay. about. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. So, so, so yeah. So Rich full circle was now. Okay. Yes. So, so Rich was everybody tied,
1: knows who Rich is now. So yes. Okay. And Rich I'm, was tied, glad, you know, see, obviously. See, I'm glad I brought that up, though. I'm really glad because that's
2: worth knowing what we're who we're, who we, yes. who we mean when we say Rich. Yeah. The Spiderweb. Yeah, that's Rich. Yes. Okay. And he um so so I you know, reached out to Chris, reached, called Rich, Rich gave me a shout back and I told him what was going on. And he said, okay, well, here's, you know, here's Russell's number, give him a shout. Um, and he said, you know, you also might want to reach out to, um, Tim Owens, you know, from, uh, from formerly of Judas Priest, Mm -hmm. um, Ripper Owens. And I said, oh yeah, that would probably might be someone who would also be a good fit. He's also, he said also, uh, Bobby Blitz, from overkill. Yep. That be was great one. Fit.
1: If you remember our phone call, our conversation mm-hmm. that I was hoping Bob, Bobby would be perfect. Bobby, Bobby. He's right there. He lives right, <laughs> right from there in New Jersey. He's exactly. in the backyard. What's
2: going on? How can we he yeah. turned out to be busy anyway, carry on. Exactly. Yeah. They probably knowing, uh, I'm sure Mark and Bobby are super friends, Mark Tortilla. And mm-hmm. so they probably reached out to him through Mark first. And, you know, again, unfortunately off the table. So, um, so I didn't have Ripper's number, but my friend, uh, Jim Morris from Morris sound recording, uh, he had recorded ice earth. So, uh, he had recorded, uh, Tim, you know, several times. So he shot me over Tim's number. Cause I, I'm, he knows me, I'm not going to be, you know, getting crazy or fanboying or something on it. Right. So reached out to, uh, you know, to, to him, but unfortunately he was, like in Australia or something,
0: oh, wow.
2: uh, touring. So it was he was off the table. So who else I called then? At the same time, I called Rich and Chris. Was uh, I called um, um, okay, uh, Todd Michael Hall mm-hmm. from uh, Riot. from Riot because uh, I I had become f- friends with with Todd just from years of of being a fan you know, with Riot and I was friends with Mike Flintz, the guitarist of 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 Riot Five. And um so, you know, we had gotten to where we were, you know, like I said, we I could I could call him and say, hey, you know, it's it it's not like reaching out of the blue or something. So I called him and said, Hey, here's what's going on. You know, I don't know if you're busy, because he could do it. Uh, in terms of skill, he's an incredible singer. Oh yeah, um, he's like top notch.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly,
2: yeah, ridiculously good. So. <laughs> right, yeah. right, and looks amazing. I'm jealous. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll admit it. The man is is taking too much talent and looks from the yeah. rest of us. He's a good looking know? guy, and uh, from what I can tell, he's a sweetheart.
1: Oh, oh super by nice. the way, he's a fucking yeah. kick ass heavy metal singer.
2: Uh, yeah, just he's yeah. got there's nothing and he's an, an incredibly successful entrepreneur and businessman. It's like and wow. a great dad and family man. I'm like, okay, hey, you're just I
1: get his number from I'm kidding.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's just, yeah, just such a incredible guy. And so nice, like I said, so we're talking. And and he said, Yeah, unfortunately, you know, I that I can't do that, you know, right now in that quick of a, tur- of a turnaround. Um But let me reach out, you know, and see if maybe I can find somebody. So, so we got all those feelers out. I had I had reached out to Russell. Unfortunately, Russell was leaving for TSO um, rehearsals, Trans-Siberian Orchestra rehearsals uh, within like three days. So he's like, oh man, I can't unfortunately do that. So I'm like, okay, no problem. And that's when um, Todd from from Riot texted me back and said, hey, um, Donnie Van Stavern, you know, the bass player of Riot, said that you know he's friends with Jason McMaster who might be a perfect fit for this and is it okay if we give Jason you know you know or if you give Jason a call or or I forget if they gave you gave you my number or if yeah uh, Don Don ended up with your number okay okay yeah. and so i uh, you know we eventually we we texted a little bit and then we we got on the phone for that first conversation and yeah, you, you and th- I, this is you, you and I, and this on the is pod. right. Yeah. This is, this is us now. So we're finally, we've yeah. arrived here on a Tuesday. I would, it would have to be afternoon at this point, because this, this chain started around midday. Um, so Tuesday afternoon, we're talking and um, I, I explained the situation and you're like, Oh man, I could tell your mind was just like reeling from like this call. It's like, coming was out it, of the blue. It was obvious that I was just going,
1: "Oh no. <laughs> what am yeah. I wait, I have to do this. Wait, I can't do this. Wait, I have to do No, I can't. But you can't." It was like I had the angel on one side and the devil on the other. <laughs> right? Uh, it was just like, "What?"
2: Yep, wow. yep. And and I uh and I also remember you saying, "Man, and because I could hear you clearing your throat and and coughing every once in a while. And you're like, man, I'm just coming out of a, a bad, it was either a cold or a sinus infection, some kind of mung, you know? And I'm like, oh, man. And I said, well, let me ask you this, you know, is it something you think you could even possibly do? You know, is it, you know how you're feeling, you know what your capabilities are. Should we just say, okay, I'm I can't do this in two days because I know where my voice is and and but you were like, no, just, you know, let's let's, you know, you didn't shut it down. And then oh. you sent me a uh, you texted me the links to you actually doing except covers, you right. know, the, the 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 videos for the songs of you actually doing except covers. And I listened. I those like, oh, my God, if this if if he can do this this would be, this would be perfect. So I forwarded those. First of all, I had, I had, texted Wolf and said, Hey, I spoke to Jason, you know, he's sounds like a great guy. Um, you know, just not sure if you have, if all the pieces are going to come together and you had then texted me those songs. So I passed those right over to him. And when they heard those and also did some, you know, they just, I know a couple of the guys were already familiar with you, um, yeah. you know, from, from your, your work with, uh, with the other bands mm-hmm. and, so it was like, once they heard those, those, uh, those covers, they're like, this, this is perfect, you know, so let's see if he can do it. So Wolf, you know, had called me back and said, okay, well, you know, we've talked about it and we want to ask him if he, if he will do this. It'll mean getting on a plane in about 12 hours, you know, or so. And I said, okay, let me, let me give him a shout. So I did and, you know, gave you a call back and i could tell when i offered you it was even like that first hammer of being hit in the head and kind of stunned it was like when the reality struck of all right can you get on a plane you know in about 14 hours and go front this band the next night you're like oh <laughs> you're like you're like okay yeah you yeah. and and you you know like i said the only thing i can i know how it would feel if i got that call It'd be like me getting a call from them to, to play drums, you know? And it'd be yeah. like, okay, I know I could do it, but I'm having an out-of-body experience right now yeah. with all of this.
1: Yeah, I fell <laughs> so, off. I like so- fell off the horse <laughs> is what's happening. The reality is like, oh my shit, what just happened right now? Well, yep. it's also uh, it was also a feeling of um, multiple emotional things are happening right now because, and I'll, I've said this a uh, hundred times, is when I go see Accept, it has to be correct. Mm-hmm. So I, ha- I had the willies about that. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, yeah. Have- I-, I was like, I'm going to have shit thrown at me, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That's a, so that's there, a that big was, shoes. That was like half of the anxiety that you were actually, mm-hmm. uh, that I was emoting through the telephone.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so so you, yeah,
0: that. Were- you weren't well. even uh, Ed. You weren't familiar with Jason before all this. You you guys had really no contact. Were oh you no, not, with personally. His, but not personally. Not personally. Were, were you familiar with him from Watchtower and Dangerous Toys and that sort of thing, or did you even know the name, or did his name just come up and then you pursued it, and, and the rest is history?
2: Yeah, I had I I had heard some Watchtower in the past, mm-hmm. but not enough. To uh, to, you know, to know the members or anything, was this? It had crossed my radar at some point, and now Dangerous Toys I'd heard of, and and you know had heard songs, and could kind of remember like, oh yeah, that's right. But again, not so much where I was in the uh, okay, I can name the band members. So when when it was passed through to me, and uh, and said, yeah, this is Jason McMaster of Dangerous Toys, like oh. Okay, I put two and two together with that, but the first time we ever talked was was that day. You know, we had never crossed paths personally right. before then.
1: Wow. Well, it was it was um an amazing uh sort of like historical moment in hearing your version of the, how that all transpired, obviously we, I mean, we've done the talk louder podcast has done full episodes. Like Dave totally milked me. And from my, Uh, they were great.
2: I listened to him. I wanted to hear that story. I wanted to hear what, what I, it was like, I
0: I had,
1: what happened, what happened
2: after (laughs) you got on the plane? Exactly. It's like, I knew everything up to that point where I said, okay, good luck. (laughs) And then I wanted to hear, you know, I knew, I knew I was watching of course, because, Yeah. I, so I did see, I was, I was literally on YouTube, like, you know, except, Pens, you know, uh, you know, whatever there was in Pennsylvania, yeah. uh, you Jim, know, Jim Thorpe, Thorpe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Jim Thorpe waiting for somebody to put it It's like, okay, there it is. You yeah. know, there's a video. <laughs> and, and I was like, the whole fucking show is up there. Oh, I know. I know. But that first one that came out, mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I'm crossing my fingers. Let me press play and see what this looks like. <laughs> and, and I did, I was like, oh, wow. I was like, it's amazing. You know, you just... You came up there and had, you know, had no one known that the, the any of the backstory from this, it would be like, okay, great band, great singer, everything is seems like you know it's gelled, and you know, so that was just spoke volumes about you know your level of professionalism and what how you managed to to overcome whatever the the stress, you know, the anxiety, the nerves of that of having been on a plane. You know uh less all, than 24 hours before yeah all, yeah all day i got to the i got to the hotel at like midnight yep yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean that's crazy man yeah. that that is that is just nuts and it was so yeah I've, I've watched both of the the uh you know i watched the episodes just because i wanted to hear and it was so cool man and of course i talked to wolf like i i wanted to give you guys time so it wasn't until after you had left um, you know, that I gave Wolf, you know, text him and say, Hey man, just, it looks like everything went great. You know, how did, how did it go? And, you know, we, we shot the shit for a little bit and he was like, it was great. It, it really was. Jason was awesome. And, uh, you know, we just had a great time. We're so appreciative of, of what he did. And, you know, so yeah, it was, I'm, I just, I can't, you know, say enough good things about you for taking, accepting that challenge. And I hope it was, uh, especially after that first, you know, that first moments on stage and getting into it and, and kind of getting in letting that first wave of terror, you know, yeah. shake off of you, that, that it was an experience you could kind of step back and say, I'm sitting here singing classic except songs with except as the front man in front of these hundreds of people right now. And we're digging it, you know, so I hope it was as good of an experience, you know for you as I would, you know, would hope it would be Yeah, as the, as the, it's
1: already been done. The, the, the word is out how, how we all felt about it and how yeah. we feel about it and, and how I was treated, which is uh, it was, everyone was just gracious. You from, from the, from the phone calls that I had the, the day before I was flying to uh, Pennsylvania shitting myself, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, to the, to the sound check the next day, which was, we did the whole set. Okay. Uh, and they yeah. just wanted to see what they didn't know. We didn't know. Right. I didn't they know. Didn't, you know, know they I didn't know fucking right. shit. And, uh, right. <laughs> so we just did the whole set and everyone was just smiling and laughing the yeah. whole time. Like it was kind of like this. Yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> some right. relief. And and I had gotten to talk to Mark, too, and I knew that everything was going to be fine because I got to tell Mark how I felt and how I was feeling. And everyone, Mark, starting with Mark, was like,
2: if you need anything, call me back. That's cool. That's cool. He's yeah, such that's, a great guy. Yeah, yeah. man. They all are. I mean, they. you yeah. know, now you yeah. know, they all yeah, are great guys. But then, yeah. you
1: know, Mark, Mark coming in the next day, I mean, it's like double shitting myself because <laughs> Mark is a fucking legend. I mean, right. I got to do three gigs sharing the stage <laughs> yeah. with Mark Danilo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, by the way, the backing band was accept. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I mean, know, man, know. I'm, being, so I'm cool.
2: being silly now, but yeah. Uh, no, dude, totally. It great. I, I get it. it. Great. I, I get it. It's a dream come true, which yeah. is going to absolutely tie into when we talk a little bit about my own personal experience, you know, with the oh, band, cause that's yeah. exactly what happened to me. I, I lived that same kind of, you never know when a dream's going to sneak up on you kind of moment, you know?
1: Well, let's, let's yeah, get let's, into that. And enough about, enough about uh-huh. how you and I met and how, and, and, and how you come to be on the talk louder podcast, because it's, it's a fucking awesome story, but you know, watching the movie, we, we mentioned the movie, uh, the movie, uh, tell us about, let's don't talk about the movie. Let's just go back to the idea of why you would want to make a movie about what
0: happened to you. Right. Well, Well, we should, we should should probably set the stage first. Yeah, exactly. So so just for a little background for people that don't know, uh, Ed, of course was the drummer for a band called Siren out of the Florida metal scene in the mid eighties, the same scene that gave us obituary, morbid angel, savage, Savage. sabotage. Go. So, yeah, that, uh, right. and yeah. siren siren um didn't have the staying power th- of some of those bands and in right. fact i'll be perfectly honest i i had never heard of you until the movie came out nor yeah, yeah, should you have <laughs> Yeah, I'm <sorry>. okay. So, <laughs> so, uh, so, so here we go so yeah. so so siren is sort of let's just say a sort of a footnote in the florida metal scene from the 80s and right. um Basically forgotten and, and, and by, your, by the band members themselves kind of gave up, mm-hmm. got settled into adult life, started careers, families, whatever, kind of mm-hmm. gave up on the dream, which is totally reasonable. Most people have to do that at some point. 35 years later, there's a fan base brewing overseas and you get a call out of the blue to have your band Siren reunite to play the Keep It True Festival, which is a massive metal yeah. festival in germany so uh so so there we are that kind of brings us up to date and now and not only did you go do the gig but chris jericho who we've been talking about stepped in and wanted to produce a documentary about the experience of you guys reuniting rehearsing flying over doing the gig and sort of reliving your rock and roll glory days you're signing autographs and i heard i think i heard in the movie you sold more merch than any yeah. other band <laughs> yeah so so so, so now that we've sort of set the stage, what is it, where, where, when, do you first become aware that there's a fan base that wants you to reunite and possibly come over to Europe? Sure. Yeah.
2: So, uh, this was, this started in late 2015 and you're exactly right. Just to, to sum up siren, we had our run, um, you know, largely through the eighties, pretty much founded in 1981, uh, second album the time we finished, came out in like 89, and then that was it. So in that time period, we had released uh, our first single. Uh, we, we, we came out of the gate trying to be a little bit different. So instead of doing a cassette, we did a seven inch vinyl um, single called Metro Mercenary. And we released that. Working with our friends in the band Nasty Savage, because um, again here in Brandon we're just all super tight, uh, started I love, to. I sit- love
1: those guys. We've had Ronnie on the show. I go way back. Uh, those guys were <laughs> gigantic Watchtower fans, and I mean, we they cool. came through Texas in those in the mid '80s. <clears throat> I was there hanging with those guys, and I love I love
2: Dave. I love Ronnie. Oh my god, <laughs> Dude, so I'm- rad. Yes, and we are, and it's it's like a family, and it has been for 40-something yeah. for years here. I mean, I grew up with Dave and Ronnie, wow. you know, all went to the high school together and just yeah, all the band stuff. So Ronnie, being Ronnie, because yep. you know Ronnie, and he's in the movie, you know, mm-hmm. um, is such an entrepreneur and such a, uh, a charismatic, uh, you know, showman slash uh, seller and stuff that He kind of started blazing that trail back in the early 80s when Nasty Savage was coming up. Siren was also their contemporary doing our thing. Um, But they broke out first because, you know, one, they were fantastic. And they were also just, I'm saying it here, so ahead of their time. When it comes to the music they were doing with the prog elements and just Dave's, uh, you know, songwriting with, you know, his riffing and, you know, uh, anyway, I don't want to get into a nasty, savage infomercial, but they're amazing. And yes, so when we came, when we were ready in 84 to release our uh, single, uh, I went to Ronnie and and he said, here you go, man. And he handed me literally copies of all of his contacts in all the fanzines, like where to write and here's the names and this and that. And I did that. So I started sending out the single and the bio and this and that to all the people like that's free internet. That's how you did it. You sent yeah. out those packages of your music and some other stuff. Start licking stamps, boy. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and so we did that Good and party. it was largely myself and our vocalist, Doug Lee, who were the uh, kind of the ones focusing on that aspect of it on the promotion. And we did that, and did that, and uh, just kind of kept it going. We released a couple more demos, uh, and, and over the next couple of years, and did the you know rinse and repeat. Sent those out to the different things, and got good response. We got if you know we got a good amount of coverage in the magazines, you know, and all the stuff back in the day, Ard Shock and all the different you know, fanzines. I bet I, and, I, bet I have a stack of those old I mean, I do, I have
1: mm-hmm. I, I have a shit ton of like from 81 to like 87 yeah, fanzines, that was black and white, black yeah. and white <laughs> yeah. Xerox staple and guillotine and all, yeah, oh yeah. And all. Yeah. I have all yeah. that shit yeah. and I bet you guys are in some of those I need, oh, to, yeah. I need to go through those and uh, oh, yeah. I'll scan, I'll look
2: at the, I'll go through there and i'll let you know i'll text you later and let you know if i find you guys in there awesome yeah i have i have several of those old right. magazines the ones that we appeared in because they'd send you a copy you know they'd always yeah. send the band a copy and so we did that and, and got going eventually and this kind of comes up in the movie i won't you know elaborate on it but eventually we hit a point after the third demo uh and we had it was great demo called dead of night and we had sent it out it was very strong we felt and it was just seeming to get nowhere at that point. We weren't getting that deal, that you know, elusive record deal that makes everything a success. Um, so the guitarist uh, wanted to leave the band. And he had already kind of left before a little bit. But I talked him back in. This time, he wanted to go again. There was some clashing of heads between him and the singer. And I was like, oh, you know what? It doesn't seem like we're doing anything. We've been five years at this now. Again, like I said, life was kind of calling to, to start a career and that kind of deal. So I said, all right, I just don't have it in me. We don't have a record deal. So we're just going to step aside at this point. Well, didn't realize that there was a record deal and that we just hadn't been told about it and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So that, when I, when that happened and we found out when that album came out and there's you know, I had written six, you know, or 10 out of the 10 songs on the album. My name's not even on the album anywhere, even in the thanks. I'm like, all right, that sucks. You know, that is Whoa. not cool. So that kind who,
1: of... Who is this record available? Um, surely it's out of print
2: by yeah. now, but uh, what, what label was it on? That was on a label called Semaphore, I believe. Okay. It was in Germany. So oh, what it okay. was, all right. that deal had all right. been going, Doug the singer was the one, you know, who was aware of it. So rather than calling myself and the guitarist back he would called former members of the band and say hey you want to go record this album you know didn't tell them it was lineup change so they're called the guys in the label are calling the other guys by my name and the guitarist name because he didn't tell them half the band had swapped out <laughs> and they couldn't play the stuff that's fucking weird man that is so so that was part of the kind of drama that went on you know back in the day yeah um so that happened they kept going for another released another album around 89 and then kind of called to quit. So that was it. You know, by then it was in my past at that point, everything, all that band stuff was in the past. So 2015 comes around. Siren is in my distant past. You know, I'm now, I've been in it for 20, 30 years. And, uh, just, I'm a dad raising two daughters, you know, as a single dad. And I get like simultaneously about five messages on Facebook in the period of, of a month from different people in different countries like Russia, South America, Germany. And they all ask, you know, Hey, are you Ed a born the drummer of siren? And I'm like, yeah, you know, that was me. There's only one Ed a born on Facebook. So it was easy to find me. Um, <clears throat> and they're like, Oh, we're big fans. I, I've been a big fan all the way since the eighties with your first album, which is called no place like home, by the way, to answer your question. Yep. And I've been a big fan since then. And, and you know, I have a lot of questions. First of all, do you have any of the original old stock of discs or anything, t-shirts, cassettes? I'm like, eh, not really. Um, but that's what we have questions. Can I ask you about the band? And I'm like, sure. So this happened, like I said, from different directions at the same time. Well, me being the nerd that I am and a super quick typist, um, I was like, you know what, just for fun, I'm going to just dump all my memories of the founding of the band up to the point where I left just so I have it. So I took like, it was like three nights, type it all out. And I finished, I'm like, shit, I accidentally wrote a book, you know, and I did, it was like 30 something pages long. Wow. And I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to have fun. I got a bunch of old pictures. Let me scan them in. So I scanned them in, made them into an ebook basically, and then sent them out to these people. And that ended up being, I can actually got one here. This is, you know, this siren, the early years kind of thing. It's just a, you know, just my recollections and wow. some pictures. I just had a few printed out for my own, you know, my own purposes. Wow, that is but, badass. But I pre- I preface it here. The first thing I said is, some stories just have to be told. This is not one of them. Oh, so you know, so that so that's how it started. And that's how I generally felt. But it was fun. Mm, but the yeah. thing is, I could find everybody in the band because I was mostly friends with them. And I wanted to have them look at it and verify, do I remember this correctly? Did this happen? You know, did that happen? What do you, what else do you remember? And I couldn't, no one could find the singer, Doug Lee. No one could get a touch. He was very much off the grid and not in this local area anymore. Mm. So, and I, and I told that story that I just told you, you know, in a little more detail about what had happened and how, you know, that wasn't cool, you know, and I, but I put it out there. That was my, that was how, what I lived well after I'd finished that little ebook, sent it to my friends who were also in that scene, you know, back then, just for, Hey, you'll get a smile out of this. You remember when this happened? And one of them came back and said, Hey, I know where Doug is, and I'm in touch with him. Do you want me to send this to him? And I said, yeah, absolutely please. So he sent that over to him. Well, Doug was not happy, you know, about me telling that story. And it took about three months for him to reach out to me and text me back and say, Hey, You know blah 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 but anyway i told him i got no hard feelings it's what it was you know that's fine well we ended up having lunch together one day and then uh one of those fans had remained in contact with me man named frank hernshaw from germany and i told him hey i got together with doug you know we had a great it was good to catch up we had a good lunch and he's like oh my god he goes you and doug are talking he goes okay i'm gonna reach out to oliver weinsheimer from keep it true you know, he goes, I'm like, oh, all right. And so he did. He goes, and Oliver was like, yes, I've tried to get Siren for years because I was also a fan back in the day, the promoter, Oliver Weinsheimer of the festival, the Keep It yeah. True Festival. So Oliver reaches out to me, says, hey, I hear you and Doug are talking. Would you consider playing Keep It True? And I'm like, really? I'm like, I, I literally said to him in my email, is anyone going to care? You know, because. Why? Is anyone gonna know what we are? He's like, Oh yes. because You have a large following here in Germany. And I'm like, Okay, that is unexpected. <laughs> so uh talked to Doug and I said, you know, we don't have a band, what are we gonna do? Um, you know, do you wanna do this? Can can you know, do you wanna do this? And we talked about it, said, well, if we can put enough of the core band back together and and be able to prepare for it, then we'll we should do it. So that's what we did. We reached out to former members of the band and, and assembled as original of a core band, you know, as we could, to uh, to get it going. And as as this was going on, we we you know, I confirmed we confirmed that we're going to do it. We had about uh, I guess about six or eight months to prepare before the festival,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and we we felt we needed that time to be able to do this. So uh, as this was going on, like probably two months into it. I was talking to Chris Jericho one day, because like I said, I, we see each other frequently. I said, dude, you're not going to believe this. What's going on? You know, I said, we got a call to ask if we'd reunite and play. Cause this is the, he goes like, this is the band from your high school days, right? From your, when you were a kid. I said, yeah. He goes, really? Cause I don't mean to be rude, but is anyone going to care? <laughs> I said, that's the same thing I asked, you know, yeah. Oliver is it. And, and he said, this just doesn't happen, man. He goes, is it, you know, I had a band back in my high school days that, you know, we would never expect that we would have a following. He goes, this is crazy. I said, yeah, it is. He goes, okay, well, that that should be cool. So the next day he calls me back because then his mind is going and he's yeah. like, listen, man, um, yeah, you know, this story, I, I can't get it out of my mind. What's going on with you guys right now? He goes, what would you think if I paid to have a documentary crew come down now? And start to follow you and capture this process all the way up through going to Germany. I'll pay for them to go to Germany with you, capture whatever goes on over there. He goes, Because I'll tell you, he says, uh, you know, whether this is a, an incredible feel good story and it's a triumph, or the train comes off the track on stage and it's an absolute disaster, it's a story I would want to see. And, you know, so. I think either way, I would just love to have this captured and, you know, just produce this. So I'm like, dude, we're going to live it one way or the other. So it would be fantastic to have this also captured, you know, along the way, because worst case scenario, we just have an excellent home movie of our experience, you know, uh, of this whole thing. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, you know, Dave, to get to your question, that's how we ended up at the, you know at the precipice of this of this journey was the elements somehow came together and ended up so-and-so knew so-and-so one question got led we got asked to play and now we're again like you jason you know with a little more run-up time still kind of shitting ourselves going all right we're 50 something years old now we have not played together in 30 35 years um, none of us, you know, are really professional musicians by any stretch of the imagination. None of us are international travelers, let alone trying to, you know, deal with a band going over there. It's like, this is going to be, you know, something, but it really, it is, like I said, the synopsis of this whole thing for me is, is you never know when a dream is going to sneak up on you, but when it does and you take that chance and go for it, uh, you know, even to live that dream, even for a moment like we did, you know, to have that week in Germany culminating with being on stage and playing and seeing thousands of people singing back the lyrics I had written, you know, in one of my high school classes and, and to be conscious of that and, and tell myself, you know, and I made it a point, I made it a point as I was rehearsing in those months up there, I said to myself, you've got, to not let that moment pass by and like you're giving you know public speaking where somehow you go into that zone of that out-of-body kind of thing, said you need to be conscious when you're sitting there, look out and tell yourself this is exactly the dream you had when you were 18 years old, to play these songs, to see thousands of people in front of you jamming out and, and being into them, you know, yeah, you're 53 or whatever it was, you know, years old right now, but you did it. You are ac- you're actually living this dream How do and you- I did I remember the exact song that that I was playing and I stepped back and really said to my 18 year old self I was like the words they're singing are the ones you wrote man and you are doing it and it's so much fun and it was a total blast and that's what was captured in the film which is called I'm too old for this shit. A heavy metal fairy tale. So
0: right. I have, a, I have yeah. some
2: questions, but Dave is sit, got
1: ants
0: in his pants. What do you got? Yeah, Dave? man, I'm, yeah. Yeah. I, I want to know how do you break this news to your family and your boss? Because I, <laughs> right. I, I have this vision of you know you're fifty some years old, and you know the old cliche: we're putting the band back together. <laughs> I mean, right. And you got to tell you got to tell your family and your boss, and they're probably looking at you like going, "Oh my God, what yeah. <laughs> is this guy talking about?" rolling and my so, like, yeah, yeah, I mean. So how do you break this news and what's the reaction uh, from the people that you have to tell this to? Right. Well, yeah, because
2: like, that's interesting. You, you bring that up. So siren had been in the past, you know, it was in the distant past. It was there. I mean, you know, I've got a record on my wall that's like, oh, there's the original record we did that the, the single, you know, so at the time now we're talking about 2015, um, I was was just starting to date uh, cause like I said, I, I was raising my daughters for, for many years as a single dad. And then they were old enough, starting to get old enough, like in high school, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna, I got time. I'm gonna start dating. So started to date the woman who is now my wife around 2015, when all this started happening. And so she and I had been started to make some music together. Cause she's a, a pianist and we had made, uh, actually made an album together at that point, um, of kind of like orchestral rock type things kind of like TSO, but without all the talent, you know, that goes on with, with TSO. Um, okay. So, so it, but it was good for us. It was like, okay. I, I, I
0: could see that uh, as a hype sticker on your <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like it, TSO, but without, the talent. without, without all the talent to get in the way of the songs. Yeah. Um, and
2: so we had done that, but Simon was never even on the horizon. So now this all happens now, you know, about a year, months into when we're starting to date and I'm like, yes, yeah, so this, so, she knew who it was. And she was just like, really, this is happening. You know, this is incredible, but so supportive. Cause she was like, you know, this is amazing that you have the chance to do this, you know, again with, and, and live this dream. So she was super supportive. My daughters at the time were teenagers, but you know, we have a very close relationship just because, you know, of having raised them. Um, so they were just like, wow, this is really cool. My dad's going to go and, you know, kind of be a rock star for a week, you know, over and and do this thing. Um, And, you know, they knew how how excited I was about it. And so family-wise, everyone was just totally just, you go get it, you know, just have the time of your life. To what capacity, to what capacity are you uh playing drums
1: since you know since this time had this big lull you had right i
2: mean were you were you active on your drum kit N- okay yes and no not really um i have a, a nice uh roland v drums kid mm-hmm. at my house in my studio um so i would play and that's like some of the stuff we would do um uh, with Jennifer, my wife and I, you know, when we were, when we were dating and stuff, that kind of stuff, I would play, and we would do that, but I wasn't in any bands. I was too busy doing working and, and being a dad. Uh, so I didn't do anything regularly music wise. I would fool around and sometimes do some things with, uh, by myself, you know, and do all the instruments, you know, just, I'm functional on, on some other instruments, but, but with no regularity and had not been on a stage at all of any sort, local club or anything since then. I mean, I was never on a stage that big in Germany until I got to that stage in Germany where there's thousands of people. The Mm -hmm. biggest audience I played for was probably uh, 400 people back in the day, you know, you know, so, you know, it was not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What about
0: the other guys in the band? Were they active musicians? And and if so, to what degree? And then tell me about the first time the, you know, the, 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 all of you guys got together For the first time and started banging out the old were you guys terrible or (laughs) yeah (laughs) was it
2: okay okay. no no it was actually okay um we did i'm 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 a pretty organized person and i'm i guess kind of like the organizer and leader of of the band so uh and also being in technology like i'm in it's like we're going to use these tools to make sure you know we're going to get this online platform set up so I can put all the songs out. You guys can learn your parts, start working on them, that kind of thing. So to answer your first question about the level of, of musicianship of the other guys in the bands in there over the years, um, our one founding guitarist, Hal Dunn, uh, who is a part of this and has been a part since we got back together, uh, had not played guitar in probably, uh, 25 years at all, but but had a guitar, you know, and enjoyed it. And, and had, so once that call went out to Hal and is like, How Hey man, spr- this is- How many strings did it have on it? <laughs> yeah, I'd say one <laughs> Did at he that have point. an amp? One <laughs> rusty. Did he even have an amp? Yeah, no, he actually had a, a small, you know, just a small practice amp and a guitar from back in the day. He always had it, but he too was working through his career and, and just doing that. And um, so he really had to come up to speed quick on the stuff and and pick up the tunes and some of the songs because he wasn't in the band for a certain part of the period he was there in the very beginning of the band but not through some of the recording years so there was new material for him to pick up uh, as well uh, our other guitarist uh, was was a, a mutual friend his name is Todd Grubbs and he is the only one in the band who has been a musician straight through and he uh has always played guitar has had a uh was gave lessons for years and now has his own music school for several years so he was the one he was kind of like a ringer and i knew and we're best friends had recorded several things you know in in the past but i was like okay i know if todd's in the band musically we will be solid because he is rock he's like a rock and and super talented went to berkeley school of music you know just one of those kind of guys yeah and so I knew he was gonna be solid. Our bass player was initially Ed Hauser, who appeared on our our demo, Iron Coffins. And in the movie, you'll see what happens because a large yeah. part of the story of one of the hurdles we had to, to get over in the, is what happens to Ed after practicing with us for six months and had, then having to step aside literally like a month and a half before the gig. Some health um,
1: issues, right?
2: right exactly yeah. because he had been in a helicopter pilot in the army okay. and lots of tours of duty and coming for hard landings and it just totally messed his back up is just all kinds of compressed discs and he's you know ended up needing surgery 2 weeks before we were supposed to play ah, and that's so you started getting has, into the film like yeah. i was and then that happened <laughs> right and you're like what Oh, I know, I know. But believe me, that, uh, that we're, we're was getting a, on a plane pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. And that, that's why the whole, you know, just happenstance of what happened with our other bass player who had, you know, from the Dead of Night demo, Greg Culbertson, who had just happened to reach out literally after not, I tried to call him when all this stuff started coming up, but could not find him, could not reach him and hadn't talked to him in 10 or 12 years. So we're like, okay. So with Ed, it just miraculously he had called out of the blue one day and said, Hey man, you know, just wanted to see what's going on. I'm like, you're not going to believe what's going on. (laughs) You know, I can't believe you called me. It's like, I tried to get messages through to you. He's like, yeah, I'm sorry about that. (laughs) But, uh, so they were, the other guys were fairly, uh, they weren't coming in cold and Doug was always familiar with the tune. So vocal wise, he was pretty much good, ready to go. Um, I had been once, as soon as we started with this whole process, I had started to work the songs up myself and really grind them in. So every day I was playing our full catalog of what we were gonna play um, and getting used to it. So when we when we finally got into the room, into the rehearsal space, right. it was absolutely not a a train wreck. It was encouraging. It was like, all right, everyone has put in their time to start learning parts, at least for these first, you know, four songs that we started working on or whatever. It's like, all right, we're gonna be able to do this. We we're gonna be able to pull this off um and you know so that that took a little bit of the edge off is like okay we're going to be able to do something it's just you know how good is it really you know going to be and then all the logistics of everything you know of figuring out how to get to germany and being over there and but that's not what we do so By so yeah time. i hope that answers your question dave about
0: yeah. By, by the time you flew over there, did you guys feel pretty confident that you, you know, y- you guys were going to be able to nail it? Or were you still kind of like, well, we did the best we could in the time we had and we're just going to get up there and wing it and hope for the best?
2: No, I think we were confident. We put in we put in the work. Uh, we were confident in that we had put in the time and were familiar with the songs Um but it was more the just the unfamiliar familiarity of being in that situation and knowing where to go and what to do and you know dealing with a uh, you know okay getting on stage and like during the gig we we actually had a there was a uh, a technical issue that popped up uh, three songs in with uh, a cable that was causing a uh, like a, a low end kind of feedback issue sometimes and you know that's not something we deal with you know we didn't we we didn't we did prepare kind of if something if we need to do this or do this but you know so we kind of be like all right what are we going to do you know uh we got to let them come out and figure this out do this do that but again it it was fine you know we ended up getting through it doug bantered with the audience a little bit and we just kind of kind of walked through it but those are things you that come from experience and the experience we just did not have of being out and playing we, we did it back in the day if this gig had happened in 1986 it'd be like hey no problem but happening yeah. when you know we're bald and you know 50 years old and up there in front of a, a crowd so uh but yeah it was we were definitely not overconfident we were very much uh had, our, had the nerves you know yeah. about it but also I know we had talked enough to be it's like listen let's just enjoy this we've put in the work uh you could actually see I would I would record some of the the rehearsals and actually recorded the first very first rehearsal we had with uh our bassist Greg Culbertson, when he came back in when he rejoined about a month and a half before to try to you know come on board and and come up to speed and that's out on YouTube, actually, if you go to our our channel out there, you can see some clips because I had recorded that and I was like, wow, this actually sounds pretty good. So let me put out these clips of us playing through that last demo and um, just to give the fans something to see. It's like, hey, we are out here and working on this stuff and you can see, you know, we sound okay. Um, so, yeah, it was it was definitely, we had put in the time, but by no means were we like, oh, yeah, we got this. Yeah, It was kind of like.
0: All right, we think we're going to do all right, but yeah. we'll, we'll see yeah. how it goes. What bands are on the bill uh, the year that you went out there?
2: Oh, man, it was five years ago. Now, let me think. Um, I think like Flotsam and Jetsam. Nice. Um, yeah, you know, I'd have, to, I'd have to look at the one of the one of the things. I'll, I'll get you a, a copy of the thing, but it was like, um, there were, oh, it was a band from Denmark who, who had come back together, uh, Heavy Load, Uh I think was was that who that was. Um, Hitman from, I believe they're up in New Jersey and California, I think. Yeah.
0: Um, So who are some of the big headliners that that people would like, you know, I'm sure you were looking at the bill going, Oh my God, I can't believe we're playing this festival with some of the handful of bands. You've owned their albums since you're in high school. Was there any Scorpions or accept or exciter or anybody like that on the bill?
2: No, no, not on this bill because that level band they'll they'll have band this festival will have bands that uh you know you'll get bands like like loudness or you know and riot okay. and they're yeah. they're not necessarily the the bands that will be headlining Vakin for example you know like scorpions and accept and that kind of thing but more they specialize keep it true and it's named for what it is they're they're very much a true metal festival yeah yeah so they focus on bands that are in that kind of genre of metal you know straight up metal and they also specialize in trying to reunite bands sometimes that are have not been together like they'll try to bring bands that are haven't necessarily been together for a while um, or bands that just are more the underground type favorites uh that that will that will play the other festivals like bang your head and, and Vakken and some of these, you know, but they won't be the headliners. They'll be somewhere on the, you know, uh you know, they'll, early they'll afternoon play, circuit. They'll
1: play in the daytime.
2: Exactly. Right. Exactly. It might you know, play and the nothing
1: main, wrong I, with that. Like I've I've played Bang Your Head with Watchtower. It was in mm-hmm. two thousand and we went on at like three thirty. Uh, mm-hmm. but it was the same stage to like Scorpions and crocus.
2: Exactly. exactly. yeah, yep and 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 like another band that plays, they weren't playing there uh, this year, but like Jag Panzer, for example. yeah, who I actually saw at Bang Your Head. I was at Bang your Head in 2002 with Fozzie, believe it or not. and cool. Jag Panzer was there and got got to be friends with them. But, uh but yeah, so it, it it's more of a festival of that, and, like I said, I just off the top of my head with so many bands having played there through, since then, I'm like, oh, yeah, who else was on there? But, yeah. that's the kind of bands that they really specialize in, and it's a very uh like uh, the crowd is very, like I said, just true metal. there's yeah, it's just the yeah. old school denim and leather they they live it. It is not a they, thing where they still collect demos. They yes. still do taste rating. That. That's the yes. kind
1: of people that are at Keep It True. The other festivals seem to be um, a little more. You, I'm not, I don't want to say they're they're a little they're a little more money. I don't want to say that
2: because they're more polished and more party atmospheres granted keep it true was a party but it's they're also just so invested in the music and the fact that they love to see their favorite bands you know like in the movie you saw the reaction of the people when we went to that pre-party and you know like uh the the man who i was talking to um um oh i'm totally blanking on his name right now but uh he was crying almost because he's like this is a dream come true that you are standing here for yeah. me i've been a fan for so long i never thought i would see you guys in person i feel like a kid on christmas morning and i said to him i said no weird this is our dream coming true you know this is amazing yeah. so I was that's, going to ask you about kind of
0: that because you, you've obviously been away for a long time and, and the nature of the festival and the the loyalty of those types of fans. When you do finally show up over there, I was going to ask you what was the most uh, meaningful or rewarding interaction you had with a fan, knowing that you're going over there to see people who thought they'd never see you uh, perform And now all of a sudden there you are so that's it's like you said there's this dichotomy you're living your dream they're living their dream i mean i'm sure there was had to be a lot of emotional exchanges throughout your you know your time there right yeah
2: it it really was and i think and just you know just by chance that that interaction that i had at that pre-party you know speaking to to that gentleman was one of the best because he was so excited and so happy and uh, it was emotional for me, because as I told him, I said, "This is what I dreamt about doing 30 years ago. Just having my music mean something to someone, having people hear our music, and and having it touch them like my favorite music touches me. It'd be like if I met Rob Halford back in the day, or or Bruce Dickinson. You know, just it's that kind of thing. That their music was the soundtrack to my life." and it blew my mind that my music was the soundtrack to someone else's life yeah. and you're that- you you guys are both the fan and you're a fan and he's a fan but you
1: know you, you you're a creator of music you're inspiring inspiration
2: right it's it, it, the, exactly. it's
1: full circle it's, it's, <laughs> it is
2: it's, it's, it's a figure eight you know it's yeah. going it, and going and it is a closed loop and, it is yeah, yeah it was and there were other there were absolutely several more of those encounters you know that, that weren't captured where people would just come up either to myself or to doug you know and other people and say i am so glad you're here you have no idea how long you know i never thought i'd be able to see siren play live you know i listened to to you know your music and and everything and tried to you know sent away for your shirt and and did this um and this was n- no, uh, the biggest, of course, example of this was the person that I talked about, uh, Frank Hernshaw, who was the one who had actually made that connection and reached out to Oliver at Keep It True, because Frank is literally the biggest Siren fan on the planet. He he was such a big fan back in the day when he was a, a teenager. He made his own patch, you know, like back patch, like a pretty good size. I mean, it's like, you know, it's a top Shoulder pipe size patch, you know, of Siren and has a picture of it, you know, of his old vest. He made his own patch and was just such a huge fan. And so, yeah, you know, he and we had him introduce us because he actually hosted us when we went over there and such a great guy. And we had him introduce us from the stage and he says it, it's like, this is my dream come true, you know, after 30 years. And he meant, it meant, meant every word. Um, and it's that kind of thing. It was his dream coming true, seeing, you know, having us there, and then he played a part in that story. And like I said, and it kind of circles back too. It's like, it's, it was a dream that I would never imagine playing a part in Accept Story, as we talked about in the very beginning, and, you know, connecting them with the producer and, and then them taking off. And it's just amazing how life takes you places that you never could have imagined that you would go. Yeah. And uh, just like Frank was an incredibly successful businessman and, you know, had his full career and just, you never know the people you're going to meet and where, you know, where they're going to go and where, the, where they're going to take you. And now Frank actually retired from what he was doing in the corporate world, being a, a senior executive in a, in a large, large company in Germany and has his own label. And now Siren is actually on his label. Wow. <laughs> you know? yeah. So so yeah, and 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 that was another thing. Let me let me I don't mean to to go on about this, but no, it's one great. of the other things that was a dream coming true during this whole process was as we were preparing to uh play at at Keep It True, we had labels reaching out to us, into these independent labels saying, Hey, we know you're gonna be playing at Keep It True. We want to release an, an anthology package for you. Mm-hmm. And uh to so that it can be available to keep it true to the distributors. And we're like, really, you want to do that? So we had our first package that came out, which was came out to keep it true was just an amazing set that was all of our old demos. The initial single, a replica of the single that we had. Wow. Our full uh, full first album unreleased stuff. It ended up being a triple vinyl set. So three full discs and a replica of the single. So four discs in total, as well as like a double CD version of it with huge booklet of of history and pictures. And so I'm sitting there, you know, at Keep It True, just looking at this, cause that's the first time we saw the package, just triple gatefold, you know, record set and thinking, you know, wow, I'm gonna be playing this, you know, festival and playing these songs. It, it was just incredible. So we also recorded, uh a few new songs for that package because I was like, you know what, we're we're doing all this. Let's just do something. Let's do a Re-record one of our songs that we never recorded for an album, "Dead of Night," the title track off that demo, and a couple new songs, which we did and included on that set. And we had had such a good time with the um, the experience of playing the festival and being together again and jamming and and making music that, as you saw in the end of the movie, we were like. Hey, let's just go ahead and keep going and we're having fun. Let's just do it. So we decided to record an album uh which we did and released in in 2020 which ended up being this one which is uh Back from the Dead. Yeah. So, yeah, that cool. came out in in 2020 and, you know, was great and, and you know, it was awesome. I love very, the artwork. Oh, thanks. Yeah, we try it all ties back to, you know, all of our early stuff and and we just released this one, uh, last month or October, the, uh, a Mercenary's fate, which okay, ties cool. back into our initial single. Cause of I, Metro mercenary. I
1: listened to the first couple of songs off of that mm-hmm. new record. And if I may, it yeah. reminds me of, well, I called it, I, t- I was talking to Dave about it and I called it American metal. It's very much American metal and, it really feels like uh, the tone of those of
2: that material is very like uh, early metal church. <laughs> yeah, Dude, th- see those were our, even though we were kind of like semi-contemporaries yeah. with them all coming up in the underground at sure. the time, we were huge metal church fans yeah. as well as priest, maiden, except largely. So when we went to do these, start recording our music again, we were very conscious of Let's write as if it was 1985, but with what we, we know now musically, we've all advanced musically, you know, as individuals to, to different degrees, but stay true to that, stay true to our influences so that it's not night and day. It's just like, okay, here's what the demo sound like, and here's what it sounds like in 2022. And it just sounds better because the production's better, you know, but it's still the metal we grew up with and the metal that we love. Very much American metal, very much, especially with Doug's tone of his voice. Uh, yeah, I mean, especially like the Mike Howe type uh, metal church, you know, is that a mm-hmm. little bit of gruffness, but still singing with tones, you know, I mean, you're very familiar. Of so, yeah. yeah, that's that's a good, I think, a very good way to classify it.
0: Is it true that you guys sold more merch than any other band at, at keep it true?
2: Okay. Yeah, this is, um, for that edition of keep it true. Um, so, and we only had brought like, uh, one style of t-shirt cause we're, we're doing this all ourselves. We have to pay for our bill, yeah. buy all our merch, do it and get it over there. And, um, so we had t-shirts, some other stuff. It's, it's funny things that do not sell well in Germany. For those of you who are, are, uh, keeping score at home uh beer koozies you know for beer bottles <laughs> Learn that lesson yeah and uh ladies tanks ladies tank tops are not a huge seller you uh-huh. know so but our t-shirts sold out you know just the siren logo black white siren logo on black shirts is a you know, all we ever had um and then we sold we did have an allotment of the album sets from um you know from the labels who did it so we were able to sell our own allotment and um and yeah so we totally based uh, pretty much other than those couple items we sold out of everything so when we were i was settling up the merch uh sales at the end of the the festival a uh our my friend frank hernshaw i mentioned was there kind of also there because he was speaks german fluently and you know was kind of helping go through and they were talking and after we had finished and you know got the money and we were walking back frank said hey just so you know they he told me that you guys did the highest grossing merch you know for for the festival here you know as of right now which is you know pretty much everyone has settled out other than the last couple hours of the show so i was like that's cool so wow. yeah that was that was a, a shock and a very you know it was an amazing experience i mean it, it was rare in that uh, all of our expenses were paid. So that was incredible to have a band like us flown over and, you know, transportation and hotel and just everything was, there was a, just an amazing experience. I can't say enough good things about Keep It True and Oliver and the way he treats all the bands and uh, the fans. So yeah, it was, it was magic. It was, and it was everything you see there that happened in that movie. That experience is what we went through. And I think it actually comes through, you know, we're basically like children kind of finding our way across the world. And then we have this, we get to live the dream for a moment. And it's just like, that was awesome.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. I loved it. I I loved the movie. And again, I didn't even know it existed until Jason told me about it. And he told me basically summarized what it's all about. And I said, oh, that sounds great. And when he told me about it, it reminded me of the Anvil movie. Mm -hmm. You know, the Anvil movie I thought was great, too, because it shows sort of the unglamorous side of being in a band and the reality of being in a band and the long hours and the crappy vans and the crappy gigs and, (laughs) and the fighting the promoter to get paid all. And then you go back to your day job and it's just it shows sort of the drudgery, but it also... Shows the spirit that drives these people. You know, as as impossible as the odds are, these people just won't give up. And so Anvil is very much like that. And your story uh kind of had some elements of the whole Cinderella story or the don't count us out kind of thing. And right. so I loved it. So anybody that hasn't seen this movie. And again, it's called I'm I'm too old for this shit or I'm getting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm so,
2: too old for this shit. You I'm, know, I'm, a heavy metal fairy tale. I'm too old cool for thing?
0: this shit. So if you're yeah. listening to this and you're familiar with the Anvil movie and you liked it, I would recommend this movie. I would recommend this movie anyway, uh, because it really is a nice uh, sort of a peek behind the scenes into some some guys who are now in their 50s getting to, you know, <laughs> the realize their dreams. Yeah. And, uh, I you mean, know, who-
1: the drudgeries, the drudgeries and the and the, you know. Uh, getting lost or losing your band member. Where where <laughs> where yeah, where yeah. are yeah. you know, yeah, at? Yeah, we did we did lose Greg a few times. Yeah, your bass yes. player
0: yeah. <laughs> seems to disappear quite yeah, where, a bit, right? The where's yes. Greg thing was yeah. funny throughout. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The, yeah. Um, the, the what I was gonna say is the you know the drudgeries or the the ugly side of just being on the road or in a train station or whatever, and you know it's you're late or you've lost or lost your wallet or your passport, passport and you it. guys yeah so <laughs> um it it when you're 19 years old that you don't care about that shit right you don't care where you're gonna sleep it's, it's like, like yeah where's the we need some more beer you know or <laughs> yeah. it's like the it's the immediate you know if it's if if yeah. i can't hold it in my hand right in front of me it doesn't matter yeah oh where are we gonna go now you know what i mean it doesn't matter but When you're at our age where you're, you have these responsibility gene that's on, you know, crank to 10 all the time. And an Uh, expectation of comfort. (laughs) Yeah. Of comfort levels. Yeah. 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 Yeah, That's where, that's, you know, where I'm going with it. Uh, Well, and also the, uh, the professionalism because. Um, and there's no doubt, uh, Keep It True, uh, the way Oliver runs everything over there, mm. it's, it's top notch. Yeah. So you don't, I've heard stories about bands going over that have, whether they like reformed, you know, or, you know they've been done for a while and they reformed to go play Keep It True, um, which is what Keep It True does. Mm. Uh, I've heard that some bands like are late. And they have to change their set times, yeah. and uh, the audience gets irate. <laughs> they get upset because they have their whole day planned out of when they're going to go, what exactly. day they're going to go. And then, if they have to, you know, so and so late, or he got lost, or, you know, <clears throat> or the band is having an argument and they can't find the singer anymore, you know.
2: <laughs> right, right.
1: That's all happened. At Keep oh, it yeah. true. I don't know the stories verbatim, but I know that it's happened there. So, yeah. The fact that you guys all showed up played a great (laughs) set had these like outer body experiences with true fans and uh thank god for chris jericho for getting it all on on video and uh and that you're still together that you're making new music as a band from when you
2: guys were little farts right And, Uh, and and it's totally different now of course because at this point, it's it's purely a, a labor of love. It's just purely for the enjoyment of it, and you know everything is self-financed. I mean, self-recorded. We did go in to uh, I wanted to do something special for this album. The last album I mixed, and then we had it mastered at Morris Sound. But for this time, I'm like, you know what? Let's just go ahead and have Jim Morris actually mix this. So I did all the pre-production got everything over and then we just went into the studio with the Pro Tools sessions and had Jim we we mixed it with Jim. And, you know, it's but it's still and that came out of our pockets because like I said, we're not we're not there's no expectation of fame. There's no expectation of fortune. It's the opposite. It's cost money and it takes time. Yeah. Right. But it's it's being able to hold that album or to put it on, you know, and and listen to it from iTunes or Spotify or whatever and be proud of it. And just go, wow, the 18 year old me would absolutely think this album kicks ass and I'm so happy with it. And that's all the reward that all of us are looking for. It's like if we're proud of it, anything else is a cherry on the cake, you know, and that's, that's where what we're I at. Think is,
0: that's what I think is so cool about the, the movie, because uh, you have that as well to look back on and to. to- <laughs> To to show your your family and future generations and that sort of thing. A lot of bands will uh, hopefully leave behind some sort of recorded music, some sort of mm-hmm. product. Uh, but you're able to also have this movie. And I think it's great that uh, that Jericho and uh, was it Nathan Mowry. Yeah. He's a director. A great, yeah. great young man. Yep. Yeah. I think it's just awesome that they saw something in this and wanted to capture it. And now it's available for nerds like us, because <laughs> I loved the movie, you know, because it's, it's exactly what I said earlier. It, sh- it sort of shows the side of, of rock and roll that doesn't often happen or never happens right. or whatever. Right. And, and yeah, uh, cause I,
2: I love the Anvil movie, you know, I mean, it was, I, it was fantastic. I think one of the key differences, cause there are similarities in that, you know that there's that dream that's that they're always going after yeah but the difference was we that we set this dream aside 30 years ago and yeah, said okay stopped. They we're putting didn't... that over here yeah yeah and and the dream kind of went around the corner and came back 30 years later and tapped us in the shoulder and say you remember me yeah you know, and and like you want to live me for a week yeah. you know give you that give you that shot and yeah it, it's it's It was an amazing experience to live and as you said i'm so thankful to to chris to have the foresight to you know to be able to 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 know that it would probably be a good story whether it was you know a triumph or a tragedy and uh that it was so well put together by chris and nathan they worked it took a year for the the film to actually be finished after the festival because there was a hundred and something hours of footage that was captured over those uh, like five months leading up to the festival and then at the festival itself. Yeah. And, you know, when you've got a hundred hours to sift through and find where the story is, uh, that took a long time. So so they would work it and work it. We didn't see it uh, for, uh, I think the first time we saw it was maybe 11 months after is when we first got a look. And then there was still, a couple more you know trims and stuff that were done after that but it was kind of surreal we all got together as a band uh to watch it and when you're watching it yourself on tv and remembering oh yeah oh yeah i remember when that happened it's like this is just weird yeah. just to, to <laughs> see this but they did such an amazing job yeah at finding the heart of the story because it's hard to tell a story from footage sometimes When there's a bunch of disjointed conversations and events and trying to get that pacing of, okay, well, this is what happened. I got to kind of remain true to that uh, in terms of the timing of it. Yeah. But how do I get, you know, how do I show the emotion that these guys are going through and not just, you know, like when Doug lost his passport. (laughs) For yeah. a while, like that scene, I love that when that happens in the movie. I love it when it happens watching it. Yeah. Then that whole thing lasted a period of about thirty or forty minutes. I mean, in the movie, it's about a minute and a half. Yeah, but you know, for the forty minutes, it's like oh. But when you look back on it, and it's just the way it was captured and put together, it's just like oh yeah, this is. It's actually funny to watch Doug, you know, go around. This just doesn't make any sense. Maybe somebody came by and took it. it we're like, what? We're all here by ourselves. Who's mm-hmm. going to walk by and take it? <laughs> you know, so, yeah. But yeah, no. we're just so grateful for everything.
0: Tell, tell people, again, the name of the movie, where they can see it, and then sure. tell people where they can find uh, music, siren music. Yeah, sure.
2: especially the new record. Sure. Yeah. Um, so the movie is again, I'm too old for this shit, a heavy metal fairy tale, and if you if you put in uh, in Google just Siren Metal Band, you'll be able to find pretty much all this stuff because you know it's, it's been out there long enough now where we've had enough coverage and reviews and that you'll find it. But uh, if you, it's on all this, the streaming platforms for rent. So like if you go to Amazon Video uh, and put in you know I'm too old Siren. You you would find it or YouTube or Google Play you know iTunes all those the normal places voodoo but you can watch it for free on some of the uh, service like Tubi.com mm-hmm. T-U-B-I you can watch it there I think they put some commercials in it mm-hmm. uh, it does air on cable believe it or not sometimes it's been wow. on, like Access TV which was totally weird I watched it on TV just to to know to watch the commercials because I'm like. I'm a, you know, I grew up in the seventies, you know, largely, and then into the eighties. And I'm like, I wanted that TV experience. So I'm sitting there going, okay, okay. I'm watching a commercial in a movie about me, you know, on the, yeah. and that, and that was something else not to digress. It's like, I was, I was, I thought about this cause it blew my mind. If I could go back in time, I, w- I was sitting there watching that movie, the movie on TV, actual TV. And I said, if I could go back in time to one of the rehearsal rooms and be like, okay, Ed, listen, this is Ed from the future. I'm coming back to tell you, I know it's 1984, but in 2022, you are gonna be sitting in your home watching a movie about Siren, you know, on TV. A movie. I'm like, oh my God, I must be rich and famous. And be like, yeah, about that part. Okay, I gotta go. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, but yeah, so you can watch it on Tubi for free. Um, Right. If you go to uh, we, we're just setting up now so that it, it's currently licensed for for viewing in uh, through Gravitas ventures. so they have like a North American license on it uh, exclusive for North America and we're just getting it out now where some people can watch it internationally. If you go to too old for this so it's like I'm too old for this movie.com uh, you can see all the ways to watch the movie. And you can also watch it right there if you're international. So any international, uh, viewers of the, of the show here can go there and rent it. It's like three bucks, uh, to rent it for a few days. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also buy DVDs and Blu-rays on Amazon that's through through Gravitas, if you're a physical collector. Cool. And if you go to, um, uh, uh, our, our mainly our link tree is probably the best way, just link tree siren band us all one word so link tre or you can go to sirenbandus.com and that'll take you through our youtube page but if you just search siren metal band in google you'll find us siren metal band we're yeah hey, you know, there are plenty of other siren bands out there but you know we're pretty much they're not metal yeah we're the, the and you'll see <laughs> us so you can't mistake us it's like there's the old guys yep yeah.
0: <laughs> Well, man, your story is just, uh, is, is incredible. And I'm, I'm so happy for you, man. I, I, you know, I, I just love a story like yours and, and you don't hear them very often. You always hear the story about the guy that used to be in a band and had to give it up because <laughs> it happens to so many, yes. uh, you know, and, and it happens to talented and worthy people, oh. man. It's just a, it's a game of numbers. And, yeah. uh, I I love the fact that, you know, 35 years later, you got that call and uh, and I love the fact that it was captured in a film. I think that's awesome. So,
2: yeah, it's it's great. And I I appreciate you guys so much for having me on. It's so cool, Jason, how our paths ended up crossing just through all these you 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 really have the full story now on how yeah how i ended up talking to you and all the paths that led there you know through the years and uh you know it and i love it and i appreciate you guys having me on and let me uh you know talk about the incredible experience we've had of yeah, course
1: have- man of course we we could probably do a part two and uh and talk about you know what's happening with of course with siren but with you and, um, and who, who you met
2: this week, <laughs> who are
1: you are going to meet next week? Cause it sounds well, that's me, the thing, man,
2: as a fan, it says, it blows my mind. It's like, how do I know these people? Yeah. Right.
1: Well, the, the whole, like, uh, you know, rich and Chris and Andy, uh, connection, and then the wolf connection and, and Gabby, I mean, let me ask you this. They were, you know, someone was telling me it might've been like Uva from Accept or, mm. Maybe, uh, I, can't, I can't remember. Uh, Chris, which, maybe. Or- hmm, I don't know who told me that Gabby Hoffman used to write their lyrics. Oh, yeah. Like a lot Gabby, of the Gabby. except lyrics. <laughs> yes. Like she oh, yeah. wrote the lyrics. I, I've heard oh, that before. She was,
2: de- she was deafy. If you look on all those albums, it says, except by except and deafy. She is deafy. Wow. So wow. she wrote... Stuff starting from um, starting on the uh, Restless and Wild album. Okay. So Restless and Wild, Balls to the Wall, Metal Heart, Russian Roulette. That's pretty much virtually all Gabby. Wow. Yeah, because she. She was a powerhouse, and not only being their manager and bringing this band up, she is a story of of legendary proportions herself. Holy, and shit. and being a woman, I mean, talk about being Sharon Osbourne manager level strength woman in this business before anyone else. She brought Kiss to Germany. Dokken, you know, was responsible wow. for him getting his first record. I mean, just all kinds of stuff, and took on the challenge of Accept because she first heard them was like there's no fucking way I'm going to with things, band. Have you seen this singer? <laughs> you know, there's no way, but, <laughs> but she's like, finally, they, they wore her down in this company she was with and uh-huh. she's like, all right, but I'm going to go to this band and tell them you are going to do exactly what I say. And they were like, you know, from like 18 to 20, you know, years old, but without question, you know, and this and that, and I will make you famous. And they're like, okay. And, she did wow. and they did. And she was like, yep, yeah, we're going to do these choreographed moves. We're going to do this. This is the kind of thing. And she had the best command of English and was is also very creative and talented. So, so she was the lyricist. So yeah, when you're singing Balls to the Wall or, you know, all these other tunes, Princess wow. of the Dawn, you, it's, you know, you're, that's her. And wow. the lyric yeah. is
1: heavy as fuck. I'm not yeah. saying that doesn't matter that it's, you know, uh, oh, she's amazing. Yeah. yeah gender hasn't makes it has no boundaries i don't give a shit but no no she's the fact, amazing the fact that she was the
2: manager is, uh, yeah. is is she a talented musician on top of all of that Can does she's she not play? no she is not a musician okay. she is not she is incredibly sharp uh very you know, sharp minded very yeah. smart very strong very able to hold her own in a incredibly male dominated field like the stuff she has told me through the years because remember she she was their manager working all of the deals all the tours even up through not only through the initial part but through the through the re-beginning of the band back in in 2009 and getting going again and all the tours they did up until a couple years ago uh, about a year ago yeah about 2019 i think is when she basically said, okay, you know. I'm done. We're going to go ahead and trans transition over now to Wolf and the other companies, you know that can can also help in the touring companies and stuff like that. So yeah, but yeah, and it's ac- it's actually funny now that I think about it. One of the you're talking about the circle. So I'll make this this quick because my connection. Yeah, you know, I had that connection with Accept, but the Riot connection. Well, with the new Riot with with Riot Five. Yeah, of course. I didn't really have that personal connection with them until 2019, okay, on the, the 70,000 tons of metal cruise. Mm-hmm. So, Except was headlining the 70,000 tons of metal cruise that year, and they called me and said, Hey, Ed, do you want to come on this cruise? You can have your own cabin. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> so, so I joined them, went, went on the cruise, and Riot Five was on the cruise. I'm like, yes, you know, this is awesome. I love them. So. That's how I met Mike Flint's and we became friends on the cruise. Cause I went up to him and said, Hey man, I've been a fan of riot since 1980. I mean, my first liner note credits ever on a, on an album. My first, very first liner note. Thanks is on fire down under you're on, on the, fire down under yes. On the back of the album itself. And I'm like, I was 15. Okay, I was 15 years old. That's my first. How did that (laughs) happen? But I'm trying to let you guys go. I'm good talking, but it's like (laughs) I I know it's like I don't (laughs) want to
0: spider web
2: you into 80 different stories. Wow. Okay. Okay. Move on. (laughs) Okay, but yeah. So that was my first. You know. So I've been a fan of Riot since back then. And talking to him to Mike is how I became friends with Mike, and our friendship has grown over the past few years. Which is how I got to be friends with Todd. Which is why I reached out to Todd. Which is why. how we got down, you know, to back to Donnie and to you. Yeah. So, yeah. So technically it was, you know, like I said, that, you know, that connection is how I got the riot connection. Cause if I hadn't have made that connection on 70,000 tons, I would not have known, you know, been able to call Todd and say, Hey, do you know anybody, you know, or can you do this? Wow. So it's, it's amazing I, how all I, this comes I get together. What you just did. Yeah. So I see it. It's tangible now. Yeah. And I actually brought, I'm such a huge fan of riot five. Cause Except it was fairly, especially Wolf and Gabby, fairly pers- like uh, private people, you know, yeah. you know, from meeting. Well, yeah. I actually brought the, I, I, went and saw Riot in the, uh, the venue that was inside the ship. They were playing like the, the club, big club kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Videoed it, went straight up to Wolf and Gabby's cabin and said, "You need to see this. You know, look at this," and showed them and like, "Wow, you know, this is amazing." So the next day, I brought them out onto the pool deck when Riot was doing their set. So they could see, and and that was, and Wolf was like, yeah, this is, you know, these guys are absolutely great. Yeah. So it was cool. So then I got to tell Mike that, it's like, you know, hey, because he's a fan, of course, of of Wolf, and I said, yeah, yeah I, I pulled, made sure I pulled them out to watch your set because they don't really go and watch other bands so but yeah it was, it was cool man I love how it's all come together to this moment right now because that's just shows you how the universe works you know well and if you're and
1: if you're uh the things that you fell in love with when you're a young budding you know half dumb heavy metal <laughs> fans 16 yeah. 17 18 years old I mean that's is that's our that's everyone's story but to be to be in love with it like truly in love with it these things are going to happen or, or- or they're not, but if you're, if you're really like, you're obviously, um, have some sort of, you're a smart cat and you, you. but you love heavy metal on top of that. It's probably not helping you be a smart
2: cat, (laughs) 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 because headbangers get such a bad (laughs) reputation until they meet you, my friend. Oh yeah. Well, it's, it's, you know, that's the thing, man. You said it knows no gender and it also, you know, there are, So many headbangers who are leaders of Fortune 500 companies now, Yeah, you know, and, you know, and in every line of work, that's the thing. It doesn't matter if it doesn't matter if you're a mechanic. It doesn't matter if you're like a software engineer like myself, you know, or a a CEO of a company. Music is what speaks to us. And, you know, all day as I'm working, I'm listening to all these these bands and new bands that I discover because it's in you.
1: When that when the what, music's in what, you, it's in you. What people and we'll we'll leave each other with this, yeah. if, if I may. Uh, you know, you you it either speaks to you or it doesn't. Yep. You either understand the language it is or you do not. Therefore, it should be easy for you to ignore and not talk shit about it.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very it true. It's like you can leave it over there if you don't want to to deal with it. But well, well or, if you don't, or, if it's, if you in don't.
0: love with it and never shut up about it, which,
1: <laughs> <Exactly>. which is, <laughs> <how> it <laughs>
2: is us.
0: So that's the opposite <laughs> side of it. which
2: is why we have this goddamn podcast. Exactly. <laughs> no, but thank you guys so much. Right. I, I I can't say enough how much I appreciate you having okay. me on, and Absolutely. I'm glad our paths cross and we can be friends now. You know. Yeah, it's, yeah, our, it's our it's our it's our pleasure. Thank you so for much for being on
0: the show, man. That was a great story. Uh, everybody needs to check out the movie i'm getting i'm too old for this shit look up yep. the band siren siren metal band that's it. ed aborn drummer for siren our special guest today on the talk louder podcast thanks ed thank you